The Forum at 8 with Polani Guala. Eight minutes after eight, a very good morning to you and a warm welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. This morning we're coming to you live from Cape Town. Now, if you've been tracking the news yesterday, uh, Public Enterprises Minister Manusu Kigaba presented in Parliament his department's budget vote speech. A lot came out of that, and this morning would like to interrogate some of the facts. Also, just look at whether or not state-owned companies are in a position to uh, deal with some of the social challenges that already have been highlighted in this country. What are they going to do? Uh, a lot of uh, what analysts have been saying, for instance, is whether or not they are correctly placed in order to assist uh, in this economy. Those are some of the issues that we'll be discussing here on the program. Um, we have a whole host of people. I'll be introducing you in a minute to our panelists on the program, but also we have senior officials uh, in the state-owned companies across government, but also just analysts and everybody uh, who is coming here this morning to um, participate in this discussion. I would like people, it's a very grim picture out there, I would like people to just give everybody a big round of applause and welcome everybody to our discussion this morning. A very good morning to everybody. Lovely. We need that, Minister. We need that because uh, it's green, it's bleak out there. Just, the news flow is very bad. Well, I think we, we, we love painting a bad picture ourselves. The South African economy, compared to the um, dominant economies in the world, has been doing well. There are many countries that would have wished elsewhere in the world to have had a 2.7% growth. There are many countries that would have wished to have had the budget for infrastructure development that we have, that we've announced. There are many countries that would have wished for their governments to be as bold as ours has been mm. in announcing a bold infrastructure development program and, 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 and going ahead to begin implementing it. But, you know, amidst all of that, we, we love painting a, 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 a bleak picture as if we, we are in, a, in, in, in as bad a situation as the well, EU. In fact, Minister, we'll, we'll pick up on those issues because uh, the argument may be that, yes, on one hand, perhaps people are painting this split picture, but stats don't lie, Minister. On Monday last week, let me just uh, give you just a brief one. On Monday last week or Tuesday, Stats SA released figures about unemployment in this country. We are sitting at 25.2%. That's the official rate. The expanded rate is about 40% in this country. There are 3.5 million South Africans between the ages of 15 and 26 who are within the bracket known as the NEET, not in employment or education and training. It is a bad situation. We're looking at about 7 million South Africans out of work. And this is why we have these very capable CEOs here this morning, and, and of course yourself, who will assist us in finding out how the state-owned companies can assist, given those, uh, those uh, figures that I've just given you. Yes, we, we, we do have that situation. There's no question about it. But the, the, the difference in our case is that we've got programs we're implementing to address that situation. I think we've never been in a position we're in today before, where you see a bold, bold plans by state-owned companies to, to drive growth in the economy, where you see in an increased economic expenditure by government to, 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 to grow the economy, to, to industrialize it, to grow skills. Mm. So, yes, we are in a difficult situation, but if the whole world sat down and said where the situation is bleak and, and, and let's... Um, 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 sink ourselves into despair 
then the possibility for growth would not exist. I think what South Africans need to do mm. is to have a positive attitude. A positive attitude that would make each and every person, an entrepreneur and anybody else, to say, our country is trying to do something. I can contribute in that effort. Let's all go out and do something about this. Sure. Minister Okigaba, thanks indeed. I'm going to come back to you in a minute, but let me also introduce our panelists here. And Mr. Brian Mulefe is the Group Chief Executive at Transnet. Mr. Mulefe, good morning. Good to good see morning, you. Good morning. Thank you very much. Also uh, on the panel this morning is Mr. Brian Dumas. He's the Chief Executive at ESCOM. Good to see you as well, Mr. Dumas. Uh, good morning. As well as uh, Shamal Sivasanka. Uh, we spoke to him a little earlier on. He's with Deloitte. Uh, good to see you again. Good morning. Thank you very much. Well, maybe, maybe I should just go back to you, Mr. Mulefe, because there's a very interesting statement if you look at the National Development Plan, and I'm going to quote from it. It says, state-owned entities face a wide range of objectives. They must serve the needs of capital-intensive industry, provide secure employment, boost black participation in the economy, help government to implement and learn from implementing industrial policy and um, narrow inequalities in access to water, sanitation, and electricity. But there's a big question. The big question around this is whether or not they are running efficiently enough to deliver on these objectives? Uh, Olani, the problem of reliability of service, especially at Transnet, has been a big issue in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, partly because uh, the infrastructure that we have at uh, Transnet has been old um, and not reliable. And so people have gradually moved, for example, from road to rail because mm. of the problems of reliability. Rail is cheaper than road, but people are using road more because um, the road was more reliable than rail. But what we're trying to do now is to address those problems. Uh, we are renewing our fleet. Uh, we have uh, announced the tender last year to purchase 95 new electric locomotives. We bought 140 locomotives from General Electric. We have just uh, finalized, uh, in the process of finalizing a tender for a thousand more locomotives. Mm -hmm. uh, as I s we said earlier, we are spending 300 billion over seven years. The minister announced yesterday that uh, the the seven-year program of capital expenditure is on track. Mm. Uh, we are creating jobs. We said that uh, we would um, uh, employ or, or cause 230,000 additional people to be employed in the economy after the seven-year program is over, economy-wide, not mm. just at Transnet. Mm. Uh, minister was saying in Devon on Monday that uh, when we bought the new cranes that are at Devonport that have just been delivered, the tandem lift cranes, over the last year, 400 people were employed. Mm. Uh, so we are uh, at it. Uh, we have the shoulder to the wheel, mm. trying to increase uh, the efficiency uh, and the uh, service that we are delivering to industry, uh, creating jobs and uh, making the South African economy. You know, it's quite interesting, and I'm, and I'm going to move on, because that between the two of you and, and the companies that, that you are heading, uh, you are responsible for something in the region of about trillion rand in terms of the infrastructure program that government has spoken about. And it's, it, it then says the responsibility that you have is amazing in terms of changing the structural uh, nature of this economy. And, and, and that is unprecedented. Never before has there been such a big program in mm. South Africa of capital expenditure by state-owned entities. But do you find that last you are year, under pressure? Last year we spent 22 billion as Transnet mm. in, in, in infrastructure on capital expenditure. And that was, that was unprecedented. We've never spent 22 billion in one year. The mm. uh, Minister was saying that this year uh, the companies will spend uh, over 60, uh, no, about 100 billion 
on capital expenditure. And that has never been done before in South Africa, in the history of South Africa, that 100 billion was spent on infrastructure by state-owned entities in one year. And so that is what is different. Yeah, but uh, my, my question is really whether or not you find that you are under pressure to, one, deliver on those development uh, priorities, development initiatives, but at the same time, uh, people are looking at, at, at uh, your, your financial statements and they say, well, you've got to make some money, you've got to make some profit. No, the transnet is profitable. Um, we, we did report very good growth in EBITDA. Mm. Um, there is a pressure at the moment because of the capital expenditure program on uh, items like depreciation, which does not really worry us. Uh, depreciation has grown, uh, so that uh, makes our profit um, uh, EBITDA uh, not look as good as it should. But uh, once the infrastructure has been laid down, and the assets are depreciated over time, you will see that um, there is, uh, in fact, uh, over a long period of time where we can uh, just make money from the assets. Uh, Mr. Damasako, you and I have spoken in the past, and one of the things that you've said, for instance, is that the biggest input cost for your company at the moment is, is coal. And, and, and the issue is, and I think the minister touched on it in his speech yesterday, about how important it is to bring in new players so that, one, you change the structure of this economy, that uh, transformation purposes and, and, and so on. How are you doing in that regard? How many people, for instance, are benefiting from that uh, budget where, where you are buying coal? Yeah, I think let me just uh, touch on what, what Brian was saying. You know, the, the challenge that you've indicated for us as state-owned companies is unique to what you would find in a private company. And, and, and it is something that we actually relish in terms of the role that we play over and above development. Uh, so, you know, we as a company uh, are the second largest procurer of coal in the world. Uh, we spent more capital. Last year we spent 60 billion rand of capital, Eskom alone. Uh, and within the coal sector, you know, uh, the future coal resources in South Africa, we have the coal in the ground, we need to have it mined. You know, we've estimated that we need about 10 to 14 new mines to open up. Now, it's a unique opportunity mm. for us in the country to transform the coal industry. Mm. Uh, you know, we have announced earlier this year how we're going to focus on emerging miners and make sure that we drive this transformation. And at the same time, drive that from perspective of providing the funding to do the exploration. But Damas, has that process been slow? Has the process been slow? Because no, again, you how, have how many people are procuring? How many, how many suppliers are you, are you using? Emerging suppliers? 30 million tons of our coal get supplied by many of emerging miners. Mm. So you have today a company called Exaro. Mm. Exaro was started by Eskom through ICSWE. You had a company called Optimum Coal Holdings that Glencore just bought, was started by Eskom. Mm. Uh, you've got Nkeba mining, you've got Sanduka coal, and so I can go on and on and on. All of them we've created, and we can do a lot more. And the minister has set a target. I think, Minister, you said yesterday by 2018 you want 50% of the over, procurement. Over, over 50%. Over 50%. Is, that, is that attainable or is that too much? It's attainable. I think, we, you know, what you need is a political will, and I have plenty so if you of you say over 50%, where are we now? <laughs> <laughs> you have plenty of that. I have plenty of that. We're going to do it. Mm. Yeah, we're going to drive it. There is great commitment from the board and the, and the executive of ESCOM. We've got great transformation leaders in our state-owned companies. And, and they are all committed to, to working day and night to ensure that we achieve our transformation targets. Mm. The budget we presented yesterday actually has two critical anchors. Industrialization to unlock growth in the South African economy to develop the manufacturing sector and support the development of the suppliers of the supplier sectors and transformation in the form of uh, bringing in more, using the leverage of our procurement spend 
to, in, the, the, the total procurement spend of our state-owned companies mm. to drive transformation, to develop skills, to create jobs in the economy. That's what our budget was All about. All right, Mr. Damas, I'm going to come back to you. I need to take a commercial break. I'm going to come back to you because there's a serious problem. serious problem is that you've got to balance two things when you do that. You've got to, of course, uh, not forget about the transformation imperatives, but at the same time, one of the complaints in one of the newspapers this morning, investors are saying, ooh, the security of uh, energy supply in South Africa. Uh, how do you make sure that whilst pushing the transformation, but at the same time, you supply, you, you, you guarantee that supply is going to come in? But I'm also going to hear from Shamal in a minute, get his thoughts on these two uh, stated objectives that uh, the Minister has just spoken about. Remember that uh, you can also participate in the discussion on SMS line 34701. 34701. I'll open the lines and also go to the floor here, hear what people have got to say. Uh, the, the lines 0891 Let's take a break. We'll be back in a second. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights, and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. It's like popping over to borrow a cup of flour when you live next door to Jamie Oliver, or seeking your granddad's financial advice when his name is Warren Buffett. And it's like asking your brother for guitar lessons. Your brother Eric, Eric Clapton. Going to Cecil Nurse for your office furniture is like that. It's how many workstations and office chairs would you like, and when can we deliver? Cecil Nurse Business Furniture, the widest range in stock and ready to go. Your office delivered. CNonline.co.za, a proudly bid best company. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Guala. FM, South Africa's news and information leader. We are still broadcasting from Cape Town. Of course, Minister Malusiki Gaba presented his department's budget vote speech in uh, Parliament yesterday, and we're looking at that and uh, just broadly talking about how the state-owned companies uh, will assist uh, in as far as our economy is concerned. The minister touched on the 2.5 that's been uh, that's projected for this economy this year, maybe 2.7 next year, and so on. But of course, there are people who are saying that it could be better, especially if the state-owned companies come in and assist through industrialization and other projects. That's what we're talking about. Shamal, let me bring you in before I go back to Mr. Damas. I spoke a little bit earlier on about the two objectives that he has, but your thoughts on, on some of the stated objectives that the Minister has spoken about of, of uh, the state-owned companies. Thanks, uh, Kulani. I think the, the two stated objectives are critical for South Africa's economy to move forward. I mean, if you look at the budget speech yesterday, the budget vote yesterday, this, this strategy has propensity to touch um, every aspect of the economy potentially. Um, you're looking at uh, inclusion of a stronger skills base going forward and the need to draw in from a wide range of, uh, of skills, both you know, in, in the skilled and the semi-skilled markets, if you look at what's, what's going on with the, with the mega projects. Um, this, is, this is going to be quite important to create more SMMEs in the economy and we all know that from an SMME perspective, economic growth is so important on the sustainability and development of those types of organizations. Mm -hmm. um, from a transformation perspective, it's an opportunity for us. And I think we are now going into a, a very uh, critical period in the history of South Africa. It's actually uncharted. We have never done uh, or, or expensed such huge amounts of capital in the history of this country. Mm -hmm. So you are bound to go through a period of learning. And I think one of the key things that, uh, that was highlighted in, in, the, uh, in the discussion yesterday 
is the need to, to synergize between the state-owned companies and learn as we go through this process and trade off some of the best practices, mm. like we, you know, it was spoken about uh, ESCOM being a leader in, uh, in, in EPCM type of uh, a role in, in the economy for government going forward. But you see, some will say there is absolutely no room for mistakes, especially where ESCOM is concerned, given... The, the tight nature of, I mean, uh, Mr. Damas will tell you about the pressure that he's, he's under at the moment. There is absolutely no room for mistakes. I think, you know, there's, there's a very interesting uh, uh, philosophy out there at the moment called anti-fragility. And if you just bear with me, you know, we always talk about organizations needing to be resilient and needing to learn uh, or withstand the major shocks in, in, in the environment. What we are looking at is our state-owned companies to become more anti-fragile and to be able to learn and develop very quickly from there. And I think if I look at, uh, at, at what uh, ESCOM has done in the last five to, to six years, um, they have certainly learned a lot from some of the, the critical issues that they are faced with. And also, just bear in mind that the issues that ESCOM is faced with is by no means unique in terms of energy supply around the world. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of learning being brought in on a daily basis. Uh, Mr. Damas, let me bring you back then in, in, the, in the conversations, because yours is to look at the immediate future, but also look in the long term, because in the long term you're looking at issues of transformation, but for now we want to keep the lights on. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, Colonia, I think it's very important that we don't equate transformation to either poorer services or non-delivery or not merit. Uh, this is not something that comes to us as a pressure. This is something that's driven internally from what we would want to do in changing this country. So, from our perspective, that's very clear. I have no investor that do not have an ESCOM quote to connect them for a new power supply. We have over 5,000 megawatts of applications received for investment in South Africa. All of them has been processed. All of them accepted. Nobody has come to us and we have turned them away and said we don't have power for you. Mm. And I think we should be very, very careful that we do not equate uh, what we're doing around transformation. We have to deliver mm. an efficient company. Now, Eskom is not a struggling state-owned company, nor is Transnet. Mm. Eskom is one of the, most probably the largest company on this continent in terms of power. One of the world's biggest power companies with massive amount of skills and capability and provides for South Africa reliable supply. Mm. You've not had in South Africa what you had in India recently or blackouts in the US. You've not had that. And uh, we should not equate what we want to do uh, in terms of transformation with not delivering what we have to do. Is it the same with you, Mr. Mr. Malefa? Uh, that, of course, also, you know, there's a very interesting discussion going on about the, the acquisition of these locomotives, for instance, and, and what the criteria is, uh, who is supposed to get that 60-20-20 ratio that the business day was reporting on yesterday. Yes, yes. Um, the way that we will do the acquisition of the locomotives, you must remember that Transnet has a big division called Transnet Engineering. And in fact, we have the capability to build a locomotive at uh, Transnet Engineering uh, because the way that we acquire the locomotives is that we, we say to the providers or to the suppliers of the locomotives that... Uh, we will buy, for example, these uh, uh, 95 locomotives yeah. um, from wherever we're buying them, and, but we say that they must be put together in South Africa. And in the process, we try to get as much of the local, of the components of the locomotive 
source them from South African engineering firms and South African suppliers and only import those parts of the locomotive that we really, really have to import, like the traction motors and the engine and, of course, the intellectual property uh, rights that uh, we have to sign. So the way that we do the acquisitions is that uh, we create jobs in South Africa, we um, uh, put the locomotives together in South Africa, we buy the components from local uh, companies, which create jobs not just at our engineering company, but also in other rail-related industries, mm. uh, and also promote uh, what has been talked about much, the industrialization of the South African economy, where we can focus on doing things rather than just being consumers of uh, commodities. Okay. All right, I'm going to come back to the minister in a second, but let me take Ruzani in Kempton Park on the line. Ruzani, good morning. I'm good. Welcome. Uh, thank you for taking. I just want to, have, uh, to ask one question from uh, Brian. Yeah. In October uh, 2011, Eskom has taken. A, I mean, they they put up a, mor a moratorium that uh, there will be no new role players that will be uh, doing business with Eskom until further notice. The thing that I want to ask is. <coughs> If the business, I mean, if government is saying we will love people to be entrepreneurs, and ESCOM is saying yes, we support that, how then do you say you put a moratorium on 2011 to say until further notice, new contractors will not be able to do business because we have got an outline agreement that we are about to uh, give it to, I mean, to go out on tender in 2011. Some of us have been waiting up until today. That moratorium is still there. You ask uh, the MDs from the region, they tell you there is a moratorium. Unfortunately, we can no longer add more contractors on the database. As I'm talking to you, I have been assessed, I've been found competent. But the fact that contract, co contracts are extended up, I mean, there is one contract for minor races. It has been extended almost four times with only the contractors who have been there. So can you tell me right now that do you support that we become entrepreneurs or really you want us to go and try to look for work in government or ESCOM? Because as I'm talking to you now, it's very frustrating. It's been three months. I mean, it's been three years. We are trying to create jobs, but you can't work with ESCOM because only few contractors are only doing business with ESCOM. The contracts are extended time and again without giving other people to be coming to the market. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Clearly very frustrated. Uh, what I will do is, uh, because it's coming up to 8.30, we're going to go back to Johannesburg for the news. Come back. Uh, Brian Dumas will think a little bit about your question. They will respond to you in a short while. Also, I'll be taking more uh, thoughts here uh, from, from the people that uh, are attending this breakfast here in Cape Town, just hearing what they've got to add in this discussion. Remember, uh, you can also Weigh in 0891 104208, Let's go back then. Babakshini Chetty is standing by with your news headlines for now. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Guala. And we're coming for you live uh, from Cape Town this morning. Remember your thoughts on 0891-104-208, 0891-104-208. Quickly, let me remind you, uh, we're talking about state-owned uh, companies. Yesterday, Minister Malusi Kigaba uh, presenting his department's budget vote speech in Parliament. He's here, he's my guest. Also joining me on the program uh, we, uh, this morning is Brian Mulefe, who's the Group Chief Executive at Transnet, as well as Mr. Brian Dames, who's the Group Chief Executive at ESCOM. I'm also joined by Shamal Sivasanka. Uh, he's uh, with Deloitte. Um, there was a question just before the news headlines yeah. there, Mr. Thomas. Uh, very briefly, uh, Ruzani, we have no moratorium on any additions to our uh, vendor databases. Uh, we went through a process last year of cleaning up our databases for vendors. 
uh, in terms of the new system that we've put in place. Uh, he's clearly frustrated. Very welcome to send me a note at Eskom and we'll pick it up and address his specific issue. Because we have to make sure that we get everybody on the database and then make sure that they get the tenders and participate in the competitive tender process. I'm going to be taking some thoughts here now, but before I do so, Minister, it's well and good to talk about Transnet and Eskom and we know what they're doing there, but there are some state-owned uh, companies that are a drain uh, to the fiscus. SAA is one of them. Actually not. Um, you know, the contribution that SAA makes to the South African economy is always downplayed by focusing on the financial challenges that the airline has had. Which financial challenges have emanated not from the company itself, but from two objective factors. One is the fact that the state, and I'm very glad you asked this question, the, one, the first uh, uh, um, issue was, the first factor was the fact that the company from the very onset when it was taken off Transnet mm. was not properly capitalized by the state so that it can be able to be sustainable over the long run. But secondly, the, the economic conditions in the world, the, the high fuel, live, uh, uh, fuel prices, uh, the, the decline in the, passenger, in the passenger numbers, but also the fact that SAA runs fuel inefficient fleet, which is why the acquisition of these 20 fleet that we are going to begin taking um, um, receipt of uh, from May, is, I mean from June, is so critical. Yeah. Because they replace fuel inefficient aircraft, they put us in a better position to reduce our cost, the company over the last financial year ending March this year has, has, has cut costs to the region of 1.3 billion rand. But SAA sustains 11,000 jobs. SAA brings traffic to South Africa. It takes South Africans out of the world in a country mm. which is in the farthest corners of the world on the southern coast. Whilst it may be true, Minister, but again you're hearing a lot of South Africans saying we can't be bailing them out year in and year out. And, and that's a valid comment, which means that there are things which as the shareholder we have not done properly in the past. And that's why yesterday I made the announcement that we've received now the long-term turnaround strategy by SAA. They've begun implementing it. Mm. There are things that as the shareholder we are looking at that is in the main the Department of Public Enterprises and the National Treasury, so that we, we can now see how government can support SAA, because if we can successfully implement this turnaround strategy, SAA becomes sustainable and financially viable. But that is the key, is it not, Minister? Because people are saying, how many uh, uh, turnaround strategies have there been at SAA? We, we, we you know... There have been quite a number over the last 10 years. The and none of them implemented? None of them implemented. The difference this time is that we are putting, a, we are putting up a governance mechanism that's going to ensure that this one is implemented. The good thing with this strategy is that it's been drawn from all the previous strategies that were never implemented. Mm. We are putting up a governance framework that's going to ensure that we hold the board, the board accountable for the implementation. We monitor the implementation okay. of the strategy. Because the situation is not normal at SAA. 
we, we, we need to take extraordinary measures and we are doing exactly that and to I mean, ensure successful I think that is very important because the issue has always been are there checks and balances in place to ensure that uh, you don't just for the sake of it come up with a strategy. I'm going to come back to you in a minute. There is a gentleman over there uh, who wants to comment. Uh, sir, please identify yourself and uh, your question, please. Good morning, James Stein from Bill Newspaper. Um, just, I'm, I'm curious about the levels of debt. Uh, can, can, can our country afford these, it seems, exorbitant levels of debt that we're going into? I'm speaking about Eskom in particular, but the other uh, uh, public entities uh, included. Eskom, we heard yesterday, needing $10 billion for the new aircraft. Um, can, can we afford these high levels of debt, and how are we going to be, pay, how are we going to be paying for this in, in the future? Thanks. Good question. Minister? You know, we, we can and, and have to uh, take the risk. To, to raise the resources that we need from debt and, and equity to be able to implement the programs that we have to implement. I think the, the question we are facing now is whether we have the courage, the boldness to, to take our economy to the next level. And that will require that we, 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 we also accept the, the risks that come with that uh, uh, responsibility which we are undertaking. And, and so... We, we, we need to do these things, and, and I think we will be able to pay for them, because if you look at the, the programs that um, ESCOM, uh, Transnet are implementing, they've been able to generate revenue, they've been able to generate profit, which they have reinvested into the capital projects. The, the state as the shareholder has not been claiming um, um, any, what to call dividends yeah. from, 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 from these companies and the programs that SAA will implement in, in, in acquiring this fleet will, will pay itself back through a, a number of, through the passenger numbers, volumes, it will pay itself back through uh, 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 shifting the strategy towards more profitable routes and forging new strategic partnerships so that we get out of the routes that are not profitable, shifting focus towards increasing cargo freight, especially on the African continent. And, and so these uh, programs are going to pay themselves out. Yes, there will be a level of uh, user pay. We, we must not run away from that. But I think that this is the level of debt that a country with the aspirations that we have will we'll have to pay. Right, let me read you some SMSs and I'm going to take some more here. Um, somebody says it's easy for the minister to ask for optimism. Try being optimistic on an empty stomach uh, in a leaky shack and standing in an endless job queue. That's Sandia in East London. Uh, Errol in Marisburg says this current government has been in power for nearly 20 years. Why did we run out of electricity? Rail transport not upgraded. This is a disaster. That's according to Errol in Marisburg. Mondemberane in Tanzania. This sounds like a new uh, in sponsored interview. Uh, I'm not sure. It's not well. I mean, you know, uh, these things happen. <laughs> That's according to me. Um, he, he doesn't like it. Uh, Ivan says, I need to know how much is the shareholders' contribution to ESCOM capital expenditure because it seems uh, like ESCOM only focuses on price increases uh, to finances like new license and law while, uh, while will further impede the creation of small businesses and jobs. Uh, there's also Casper at Bevisford. We are very concerned that the comrades who destroyed our railways are about to spend 300 billion rand to expand that disaster. Actually, that's Sigan Randberg. Uh, Pasega Makoti, South African Parastatal 
because they're so inefficient. They are nothing more than a costly Qaeda enrichment scheme. Um, there is also, Minister, are you happy with what is happening at CETA? Minister will respond in a minute. Let me take some uh, thoughts. Is there somebody on the floor? Uh, yes, please identify yourself. My name is Cindy Ziloa. I'm the CEO of Nkonki, one of the audit firms in South Africa, uh, which has been 20 years in business. Mm. I would like to first say, on behalf of the auditing profession, the minister initially indicated his plenty political will to make a change. Mm. And I think the auditing profession has been the beneficiaries of that political will. Uh, I would like to thank also the leadership of the state-owned companies because they have actually implemented, they had the executive will to implement. Because currently the audit firms have been given plenty of opportunities that are leading to growth. But in terms of the impact that you wanted us to talk about, the Global Leadership Survey has just indicated that South Africa on the top 25 countries is only having 6% of effective leaders, and that makes it number 20. But for the future, there are no potential leaders. South Africa does not make it there. Mm. So the impact that is actually being driven by Minister Kigaba together with the executives of the state-owned companies is playing a bigger role because they are creating a more leadership pool in terms of future leaders, building the intellectual capital and opening doors for us to train more black CAs. And I think we would like to thank the minister and the SOEs okay. for that. All right. So, so clearly you've benefited out of uh, this particular program. Sebenzile and Mangawong. Okay, uh, can, can you yeah, can you please just uh, speak in English? Sorry, sir. Go ahead, please. Yes, I uh, but Okay. All right, fine. Uh, please go to Northern Mangaung, assist people with electricity. We, we have um, investment plans to expand our, uh, to upgrade and expand our distribution and transmission networks. And, and uh, the, the, the whole country is to benefit from that program. But I, I understand, I, I've written to the Premier of the Free State and the Premier of Mpumalanga. La, last year, I had meetings with different Premiers to, to deal with um, a lot of our programs around ESCOM, Transnet and so on. I've recently written a letter to the Premier of the Free State um, requesting that we do something to deal with the challenges in the Free State province, particularly the municipalities that are owing. And, and so we, we have a commitment to engage with the provincial government of the Free State mm. to deal with the electricity challenges there. I know that the Deputy Minister himself has had uh, regular visits to various provinces, including the, the Free State, mm. to address some of the challenges and the programs that we have in those provinces. Okay. Um. Uh, thank you, Kolani, uh, and the panel. My name is Voice Wanzakana Mabujana. I'm coming from an organization called South African Women in Construction. Uh, it is composed of uh, hundreds of SMMEs who are women in the construction business. I just need to find out from the SOEs 
how are the how are the women going to be able to access the infrastructure budget, especially when it comes to because treasury is still sticking onto the non set sites because of East PFA policy. Mm. Uh, I must say that we are actually exempting ESCOM at the moment because ESCOM does do that, but other SOE departments are still uh, referring us to the treasury problem that they have. Given the fact that last year October, State South Africa has actually issued a report to say that black women specifically. Mm. They are still far from the transformation mm. in this country. Thank you. Mr. Mlifa? Yeah. The, the triple PFA, um, uh, we have been able to get exemption for it on the acquisition of uh, the new rolling stock, uh, the 1,000 locomotives that we're buying. So we have set aside for that program. But with respect to the rest of our acquisition program, we are still in discussions with the National Treasury. Our desire is to have uh, the set-asides that you're talking about. The concern of the Treasury is that the set-asides come with a premium on uh, what we would normally pay for services. Uh, but um, our argument is that even though there may be a premium, the benefit to the economy is much bigger uh, because of multiplier effects, you're able to create jobs, you're able to bring women into the mainstream of the economy and things like that. Uh, but what we really need to have an honest discussion about is the, to address the concern of the Treasury about the premium that comes with set-asides or the perceived premium that comes with uh, set-asides. So it is a discussion that is ongoing, certainly between the Department of Public Enterprises, which uh, supports us on this issue, and the National Treasury. Shamal, let me bring you back in. Um, one of the analyses uh, that was made was that in the past, before 1994, I think uh, state-owned companies employed something in the region of about 300,000 people, and I think we're down to less than half of that number now, or thereabouts, about 150,000. And given the, the stats that I mentioned just at the beginning about the unemployment rate in this country, people are saying, well, we've got to look back then at these companies again and say, but what are you doing in order to deal directly with the unemployment rate? Do you think that they can do that? I think the structure of the state-owned companies before 1994 was different. Um, in, in, in most of the industries that we're talking about. And there's been a lot of modernization as well that occurred since then and, and today. Um, to answer your question, I think that uh, given what we're seeing with these uh, capital investment programs, direct employment um, is, is definitely on the cards. Uh, if you think about what Medupi is doing, um, and, and uh, Brian can, can, can comment on that. It's probably close to about 10 to, to 17,000 people uh, who have been directly involved in that, in that project. The impact of that on the Lepalale region um, has been quite profound. So uh, I think that, you know, if you look at the, 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 if you're looking at employment levels in the state-owned companies, it has certainly shifted from, uh, from, from you know, the last 15 years. But the knock-on effects in terms of the expenditure both uh, operational and capital, has been, has been equally important as well. Brian, uh, do you want to talk about that, uh, Brian Thomas? Because uh, over and above that, people have highlighted issues such as interns, for instance, internships, programs to, to introduce yeah. these youngsters, especially the ones that are said are the NEETs. And, and, and both of us are mostly doing more than, than most companies in South Africa. Uh, you know, the issue is, should the we be doing more? The issue is, should you be doing more? Uh, yes, we should. Even more. Even more. Yes, we should. I mean, and, and I'm ashamed of and, and we should get away from this concept that state-owned companies, and I actually don't like the word parastatals, state-owned companies are inefficient. We're not. Yes, there are opportunities to drive efficiency. 
uh, we're not uh, big, big inefficient things that goes to tariffs and rail tariffs and electricity tariffs to fund our expansion program. We raise money in international bond markets and local bond markets, and people buy ESCO bonds every two weeks, most of them private companies. Now, uh, we currently employ in Eskom 43,000 people. When Eskom was at the height of its build program in 1970, 66,000 people. Uh, we have indirect employment today, currently working on our slides, direct people, over 30,000 people. The mining sector, we support 23,000 jobs in the mining sector. Eskom alone, in its cloud, 100,000 people, you multiply that by 400,000 people supported in this economy. We're the largest trainer in the country. We currently have 12,000 learners, mm. most of them engineers, artisans, technicians. We have committed to the minister a few years ago that we will take 5,000 young people, unemployed matriculants and unemployed national diploma graduates. They currently we have 5,700. Mm. And we will maintain that and make sure that we train them up for the economy. And that is the role we have to play. Sure. So it's this commercial role with a balance sheet that can raise funding in international markets. Well run, well efficient. And this developmental role is crucial to the transformation of the country. There's no excuse for that. Sure. Uh, Mr. Again, we're talking about industrialization, right? But I just want to know about the role of the private, uh, private sector in this regard. For instance, you, you, you have the market demand strategy and you will be investing a lot of money, uh, rail and so on. But you've got to make sure that somebody uses that. You're not just developing it for the sake of developing it. Are, are you, is that cooperation? Because some, some accuse, for instance, state-owned companies of working in isolation. Yes, we, there, there, there will be demand for our services. As I say, um, uh, rail is 30% cheaper than uh, uh, road. Uh, it is things that we need to fix um, at, at, uh, in, in the service delivery. Um, that uh, that to improve the levels of service so that we become more reliable and then you'll see the private sector coming in. But coming to investment, um, there is an issue that the minister has raised in the last three days about four times, and which is that the private sector is sitting on huge piles of cash that they are not investing in the economy. And so we are also interested to find out as to what the impediments are, what the concerns of the private sector are, to investing in the South African economy in a similar fashion mm. that the state-owned entities are investing in the South African economy. I thought economy. they already uh, raised this. I know, I know we spoke about the minister. I think, minister, you raised it again last year, the, the so-called uh, investment strike by, by the private sector. And they're saying that the environment is uncertain. Political environment is uncertain in this country. We're not sure what's going to happen. Policy uncertainty in that. Uh, is that not clear enough to you, minister? No, that's, a, <laughs> that's actually a fallacy. I mean, look at it. Since 1994, the private sector has had excuse after excuse for not investing. Each time you address one excuse, they invent another one. The, 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 you know, and that's why we are now going to look at where the pension funds of the state-owned companies are invested so that we can use the, those investments to force private sector investment. There, there is absolutely no way that you, you can live with it. South Africa is a democracy. Now, if you say that the political environment is uncertain in a democratic society, surely you do expect that there's going to be an election for the ANC leadership every five years, 
there's going to be an election for the country's leadership every five years, anything might happen. Mm. You live in a democratic society. It's okay when these uncertainties happen elsewhere. It's something else when they happen in South Africa. That's, 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 that's a... Okay, let me just clarify. This thinking. morning I spoke to the director at Grant Thornton. He says that the executives are raising three issues. They're raising policy uncertainty. They're raising uh, the issue of the labor, rigidity of the labor market. But thirdly, they're raising the issues around crime. How do you deal, especially this one has come over and over again, okay. the rigidity in the labor market. Are you able to hire and fire, especially for small businesses? Crime has radically declined in South Africa. Actually, there is a survey I was listening to last week which says that in the ranking of things, crime has actually declined as, 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 as a major concern because it, people have seen crime declining. Yes, we have violent levels of crime, but crime itself in totality has declined. Look at the policy uncertainties. There has never been as much certainty about policy as we have had. We've stuck to the macroeconomic framework. We've stuck to, um, uh, uh, we've, we, we said it even when there was excitement about nationalization, we said it that the ANC National Conference is much more sober than the people who often stand behind the mic. We will take decisions which are good for the economy and that's what we did. The, the, the policy has been very certain, it's been clear. The only uncertainty that I think people are talking about is transformation policy. So for us, to provide certainty about policy, we need to negate transformation by insisting that the, the status quo mm. should remain. And that's not going to happen. Quickly no, on the rigidity. If I, if I, if I can, on, if I'm going to come to you. The labor market policies that we have in the country ensure industrial peace. No. Look at what is happening in the platinum belt. But, but those are, are, are exceptions. Look at the economy as a whole. They ensure industrial peace. The problems we've had in the last year in particular have had to have, are issues that we all need to address where some portions of the workers seek to resolve their disputes outside the framework for industrial resolution that, that is provided. Now, that is the challenge that we need to deal with. But... Those are not issues which are prevalent mm. right through the But Minister, uh, some may argue that actually they are. Look, we just, in fact, we have uh, strike season in this country. We've just come back from the bus strike. We're going to go to the municipality strike. We're going to go again to the mining strike. And plus the situation, people are saying, well, uh, given what is happening, we are likely to have a strike. Understand there is an issue around... Understand the culture of industrial relations in South Africa. If you were to take away the, 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 the labor dispute resolution mechanisms which, which, which we have established yeah. and you provide the private sector with the right to hire and fire as they would like to have, you're not going to have stability at all. Is that what you, you come from the private sector, Mr. Stability in South Africa. What, what, do, what do you think? Yeah, you wanted to say no, no, I wanted to say that uh, you know, I've been working in the South African economy for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember in the beginning, the issues that were of concern were that uh, maybe Nelson Mandela has been in prison for too long. He's now senile. He won't be able to lead the country. And then he led the country. And then they said, what happens if Mandela goes? And then they said, Zimbabwe is erupting and they are grabbing land and uh, uh, so it's going to happen in South Africa, there's going to be spillover effects and then it didn't happen 
And then um, the rent went to 11, um, so there was a free fall of the rent. Uh, it was a currency, 8 till late, and it went to 11, and then to 13. Mm. And then it came back, and uh, the skies didn't fall from the heavens. Uh, and even today, people are still clamoring for excuses not to invest in the South African economy, which I think is a big excuse. All the things that you mentioned, in fact, are nothing mm. compared to what the excuses used to be. Uh, in the past, like I said, it was a free-falling rand. Yeah. It was what happens when Mandela goes, are we going to have leaders, and so on and so forth. And then it was Pulugwani. What's going to happen post-Pulugwani? We've survived post-Pulugwani. So, so in essence, yes. you're saying it's all excuses. It's all, all the time. People find a something to hold on to. Straws. Right. Somebody said to me straws. this morning that what, what is necessary is a, an open debate and a fair, honest debate about why exactly. uh, the private sector is holding mm -hmm. on and sitting and on not more than half a billion rand in terms of the, half a trillion in terms of the investments. Unfortunately, we've got to wrap up this discussion this morning. We don't have any more time. Minister, I really have got to thank you very much for coming through this morning. Thank you very much. Mr. Lehman, thank you. Thank you very much. Mr. Gamas. Thank you. As well as, of course, uh, Mr. Sivasanka, I really thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you everybody. Thanks indeed for participating. Thank you for listening. I uh, would like to thank our listeners as well for participating on the program this morning. SMSs, calls and